Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I'm chatting with Angela Glass. The Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. A little bit background on Angela. So Angela is the founder of Eka Yoga, a yoga studio and online platform in Seattle, Washington. And it's all about dedicating itself to yoga and Ayurveda, which is amazing. So we chatted all about Ayurveda. And um, so this is a great refresher episode if anyone's wanting to um, remind themselves of each of the doshas. If anyone is wanting to know how to incorporate them into your yoga practice, you know, we chat about what style of yoga to do based on your dosha imbalances. Um, and then we also chatted a little bit more about how to come back into balance when you feel a little off in um, your vata, pitta, or kapha dosha. So we're going to learn all of that stuff today. So we're totally geeking out on this. So if you are interested in Ayurveda at all, this is a great episode to tune into as a starter or a refresher course for you. All right. So without further ado, here is today's episode. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I am excited to have Angela Glass on today with me. And um, we're going to kind of dive into Ayurveda and yoga and um, kind of get to know a little bit more about Angela and her studio. So I'm going to kind of throw it over to you, Angela, and let us know, um, you know, how you first discovered yoga. And then from there, or maybe you discovered Ayurveda first, um, how you kind of discovered that as well. Yeah. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. Um, I started yoga in the Midwest. I'm also a Midwesterner. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so I started doing yoga almost 15 years ago. And I went because a friend made me. It was gym yoga. And yoga in general was weird. I think you also being from the Midwest, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know how long ago you started practicing, but it was a pretty, you were kind of weird if you did yeah. it, right? Yep. So um, I went and I hated yoga so much when I first started because it was the first time I had to be alone with my thoughts and I had to like feel my body and I was like, I don't like this. And then I actually kept going because I was a cheap college student and I bought a package. So I kept going to get my money's worth. But then I noticed that I started to sleep better and I started to feel better. And let me, I guess, take a step back for a moment. I was diagnosed with depression super young, about eight years old, just because of family trauma. And so I had really bad, once I went to college, my anxiety was through the roof. I was on depression medication, I had insomnia. And just a few yoga classes, I started to see the difference in my body and my mind. So I kept going. And at that point, students taught students. So students were teaching the yoga classes. And some of the girls that work there were like, you come every day. Do you want to be a teacher? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and they trained me and I started teaching without a 200 hour. Um, and then one weekend we had a training, like the whole fitness staff had a training where a yoga professor came in and she had studied in India and she was the first person that introduced the eight limbs and more of the philosophy of yoga to me. And it blew my mind. And I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to study. And I went to India for the first time then in 
2009. And that's also then where I was introduced to Ayurveda and it changed my body and mind just as much as yoga did. So it kind of snowballed from that point. Mm, I love it. And yeah, just hearing the journey and just kind of how you stumble upon things and I was the same way. I did not like yoga the first few times I went because I was, it was the same. Like if you're used to like, you know, going, going, going hardcore workouts, or I was always an athlete and then having to like sit there and like what's going on in your head. And that can be so, you know, such a kind of a point where people are like, I can't go because it's just too much. Um, when you have people to your studio, how do you kind of tell people some of those I guess, how do you get over some of those hurdles? Because I think that one's a big one. That's what I hear from a lot of my clients is just that alone, the thoughts in my head, it's just so loud. Um, so I work a little bit with the law of attraction and there is the saying, or I think even scientific studies have proved this to work, but if you can grasp a good thought for 17 seconds, like that's the magic number, more good and positive thoughts will start to come. So in classes, I do, I focus just on much, just as much on the mind as the body. So I'm always giving reminders to say, you know, it's okay. You might be thinking about dinner. You might be thinking about tomorrow, but you know, let it go, grasp onto something good. And if you can hold that for 17 seconds, right, more of that positivity and those good thoughts will come in rather than those worries and those to do, to do this. Mm, I love it. That's great. And those are just great reminders and cues to have, you know, in class. Have you seen the movie uh, or the documentary Heal on Netflix? I haven't. Yet. Oh, I have. Um, I just watched it last night. That's why it's like fresh in my mind. But I think you would definitely love that because there is an Ayurvedic practitioner on there too. But um, it kind of goes into that is just the power of our mind and how we can, you know, heal ourselves essentially. And, um, you know, it sounds like yoga and Ayurveda have done that for you. Um, what is your experience with Ayurveda in India? Like that's, that's on my like bucket list. I want to get over there and, you know, just kind of experience it in India. Um, it was amazing. It was good. Obviously it's really funny to see the cultural differences because I've studied with some people that are Western and yep. read a lot of books by like David Frawley, who's a Westerner. Yep. Um, and then my teachers in India were obviously Indian. And then I also studied through Kerala Ayurveda, which most of the teachers are also Indian. And so Ayurveda there, there's, I mean, the philosophy is a big part of it, just like with yoga. So mm -hmm. a lot of yoga in the US is the asana, the physical practice. And we forget about the philosophy and the spiritual aspect. And it's the same with Ayurveda. So they're like, you know, something's wrong with you. Yes, they'll take look at food, diet, lifestyle, lifestyle, but they're also like, how is your spirit? And for me, when I was first there, I'm like, what do you mean, my spirit? What? <laughs> what? Like, I'm bloated. Fix, you know, help me with that. Um, but it, it's really, it's been really good. And um, it, it takes patience to study from a different culture, right? Because they just have explained things differently or view things differently. So to really understand it, it did take me a while. And I guess part of my profession now is breaking it down so anybody and everybody can comprehend it because it pr is pretty easy once you get the foundational concepts down. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I, um, I'm trying to like break it down for people in an 
you know, easy to understand fashion. And um, like, I'd be curious to see what you thought about like using the doshas. Cause I've heard, you know, some of my teachers totally are like, oh, they're just a side thing. I'm like, yes, but a lot of us Westerners, like that's what draws us in is kind of putting ourselves in, oh yeah, I can relate to being a Pitta. And then that, then you kind of want to explore that more and know more about yourself. And then, you know, if you have another teacher from there, they'll kind of educate you further on what really is Ayurveda. What are your thoughts kind of on using doshas as a way to kind of get people into Ayurveda? Um, That's how I do it. I do the exact same thing. So I have a yoga studio that's based on Ayurveda, but the introduction is the doshas because people love those quizzes and personality tests. And I always say it's like the very first Meyer-Briggs test ever invented. You know, you can figure out who you are and what you need to better serve your happiness and health. And, you know, when I first opened the studio, people are like, you're crazy. My friends and my family, they're like, how are you even going to explain this to people, let alone people don't know what yoga is. And then you're going to throw Ayurveda into it. (laughs) And it's taken time and it's taken patience and I have to give an elevator pitch to every new student, but now it's been really fun to watch students over the last couple of years grow and start to understand it. And so our classes are designed by the doshas. So there's a kapha balancing class or a pitta balancing, bata balancing. And they now understand just because they're dominant in one dosha doesn't mean that's the only yoga class they have to take. They're starting to recognize when they're in balance. So they'll walk in and it'll be a vata class and they're like, I need to ground. I need this vata energy today. And it's, it's been really cool to watch them understand that and really take their health into their own hands. Ooh, I love it. I love it. I want to know more about your classes and the structure. because I think that's such a, such a cool thing. And I've, you know, kind of played with that just because I have enough background in Ayurveda, like in some of my classes to, you know, I took them through essentially what a vata, pitta and kapha you know, practice would look like all within one class just to kind of give them a sprinkling and give them an idea of like, hey, where, you know, which one felt the best for you today. And um, I would love to know how you kind of do that in the studio format. And then again, that education piece, because I'm sure that's like the biggest thing for you is just, you know, when people come, they're like, if they don't know what yoga is, or even then, I think this goes with any yoga studio though, because I have many people who are like, should I go to a vinyasa class versus a yin or a restorative class or, um, you know, what, what class should I do? There's so many offerings. So I suppose it's probably the same thing, only you're just describing it in the doshas. Yeah. Um, but we actually have, you know, then they have the tools to know how to decide what class they'll go into rather or what they should go to rather than looking at vinyasa, yin, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but our classes are actually pretty much that. So okay. if you, like you said, you've taught the yoga classes for the doshas, and I know there are different ways you can teach to the doshas, but we had to make, you know, I guess a outline or I can't, what is the word I'm looking for? Like a curriculum almost? Like a curriculum for each class, just so people knew what they were getting into. Because you could do a Pitta class and cater to that competitiveness mm-hmm. in Pitta, because you want to do a little of that ideally. Um, but if we had like one Pitta class, someone taught Yin and one taught a more competitive, people would be like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. So we have broken the classes down so the Pitta class is 
more of a yin restorative class to bring in more of that cooling and grounding energy. Yeah. Um, so it can definitely be a challenge for pittas. Oh yeah. <laughs> Those and, are my favorite to go to now, but did not always, was right. not always the case. <laughs> and then our Vata balancing class, Vata's air and space. So they do have all of that moving energy, but um, they tend to be weaker in general, have a hard time building muscle, they tend to overdo it, um, hypermobile in their joints. So that class is more like a hatha. So we still, we work on building heat and strength, but the practice is slow. So we marinate in those poses a little longer rather than do that more um, vinyasa style practice. Yep. And we'll also work on, like we stay, we try to stay close to the earth and then there's lots of twists incorporated to bring out that air from the belly. And then, oh, kapha. We have kapha, which is earth and water. And kaphas tend to be a little more lazy. They can be, feel heavy, lethargic. So that is more of a vinyasa class where we want to give them a little kick in the pants so the body gets moving, the blood flowing. And because kapha tends to get stuck in that heart center or in the heart center, we try to incorporate more heart openers. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, I think that even just like listening to that and just getting a quick debriefer about that, you can kind of decide, okay, like if I don't have necessarily, you know, a class that is a kapha or a pitta or vata, but I know that I'm in need of maybe more motivation, I should go to a vinyasa class. Okay. Or, you know, if people are like, I'm feeling really burnt out and run down. Okay. I need to go to more of a yin restore. And I think that's, that's such a key thing just to have people you know, start to making those connections. Cause I think that's half of the battle is, you know, like, okay, now we, we might know a little bit about the lingo, but then realizing it's all over, like it's all over our lives. And, um, I'm just teaching a small group online right now with my, um, evolve into you group. And it's so funny. Cause they're like, oh, I, I'm starting to think differently just about life in general. Like, what am I eating? What am I doing? Am I going for a walk? Do I, what do I need at two o'clock? Do I need a nap? Do I need um, to move. And it's so fun just to kind of start to see how it transcends in all areas of our lives. Yeah. And it's, it was fun to find, I found you on Instagram and mm -hmm. it was cool to see your fitness routines too for the doshas. Cause that's something I'm a yoga girl. So I'm like, I don't run unless someone's going to be like, <laughs> trying to murder me, <laughs> but, but it was fun to look at all of your programs and you talking about it really interesting and I think that's another great way to teach people about it that's not overwhelming you know mm -hmm. so they don't feel scared by it because it is such a great tool and again it's so easy to use which once you have those foundational concepts yeah yeah and this is um I actually just started working with one of my clients who's in my Evolve Into group she's also a training client and we are like she's just like I'm really Vata just I'm really out of whack in my vata. Normally she's a pitta, but right now her vata is just all over. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just try this. I'm like, we're going to do personal training. And then she's actually doing yin yoga because she just really needs some grounding in there too on another day. And it's really interesting. So I told her, I'm like, let me know how you feel after this session. And she was like, wow, I really have noticed a difference when I do just, you know, your regular workout that I might program for her you know, for her goals versus, okay, I'm going to be really intentional about these exercises to make them, you know, help ground that Vata. And she can tell the difference when she leaves sessions. And it's just, it's such a cool tool just to have. And, um, you know, I just think that 
it's something that can be, I'm hoping it will get, you know, even more, you know, pushed out to the mainstream, you know, media and audience. So people can start to see how they can actually be empowered about their own health. Right. Um, it was, a, uh, I think it was about six months ago, there was a big article in the Seattle Times here about Ayurveda, which I was oh, like, what? That is awesome. Yeah. So it is becoming more popular. And I'm also seeing, I'm a podcast junkie, <laughs> but I feel like I'm seeing a lot of other people use it in different like ways, but they don't call it Ayurveda, mm. which has been, if I, if, I'll have to go through the podcast, but if I yeah. find it, I'll send it to you. But it's been really interesting to see. I'm like, yeah, they're just, that's Ayurveda. Or people are like, oh, we came up with this personality, this new personality test. I was like, that's the exact same as the, the dosha test. So I don't know if they think they made it up or if they saw it or what. Uh, well, yeah, and that's the downside of things with just... So that, you know, like the downside I would say is getting it really out there. Cause then people always just are like, how can I monetize this and just blast it out there. And then what sometimes happens with that is they, you know, lose the essence of what it actually is, which can be said, I suppose, I mean, I can see that in different yoga classes and, you know, franchises, mm -hmm. they've kind of lost some of that essence. So I think that's kind of the downside of it. You want it to be more well-known without losing like what it really is at its core. Right. And where it stems from. And, yeah. you know, because I think a big part of it is the culture behind it too, you know, and yeah, just like going to India, studying with teachers from India and their perspective. And for them, Ayurveda has just always been part of their family. Like they don't even know it's Ayurveda, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's ingrained in their, their DNA. It's a part of their life. And um, you know, it's funny for them to say like, yeah, I do, this is what my mom just cooks for dinner. This isn't a cleanse. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> yes. Oh, well, I want to talk about, um, you know, kind of the doshas in general. So if someone maybe is tuning in and, um, they haven't listened to the previous podcasts that I've had, um, I just want to kind of just geek out a little bit about them. Cause maybe someone's new and they're like, what are these doshas? These gals keep talking about, can we go into just like briefly a little bit about the Vata dosha? Yeah. Um, the Vata dosha is the mover of the doshas. It's known as the king of the doshas because it's what makes everything happen. So it is the elements of air and space. Um, space is expansive. Air, think wind, that moving energy. So when we have too much Vata in our mind, we can feel scattered, anxious, worried. When there's too much in the body, we might feel bloated, we might have a nervous belly, um, we can experience constipation, achiness in the joints and specifically more the hips. So if you think of wind, when you're out in the wind all day, it has this dry quality and that can form in our joints, which causes all those creaks and cracks. So those people that are more Vata dominant are going to be more prone to these imbalances, but they are also going to be more creative. They're going to have this nice flowy energy. They're going to be the ones that like to travel. They're going to be the ones that like to write poems in color and draw and just be more flexible with their schedule and, you know, the people and the things they experience. I love it. Now let's geek out on the Pitta Dosha. 
Right. And which one are you? I am Vata dominant. And you know what? I always thought I was a close second in Pitta, but I realized over the last year or so that um, I just had a really bad Pitta imbalance. I forced myself to be Pitta running mm-hmm. a business mm-hmm. and I'm actually way more, I am very Kapha. <laughs> I, can, I can kind of pick that up even just talking to you. Like I would definitely say Pitta would be your last. I am much more Pitta. Like I tried to stuff it down. It just doesn't work. <laughs> and I think I did that with Kapha and people would meet me and they'd always think I'm Kapha. And you know what? I didn't really realize it until I started doing more videos and Facebook lives. And I actually heard myself talk and I'm like, I talk so slow. <laughs> Cause I always feel like I feel that Vata energy of, I feel excited. Mm-hmm. Like I'm moving really fast, but apparently I'm not. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. Uh, yeah. So let's let's talk about that pizza then. So the okay. pizza that you tried to be. <laughs> pizza is fire and water and predominantly fire. Um, pizza, when there's too much of it in our mind, we can feel irritated or angered. We can feel the ego take over. So that feeling of I'm always right, you are wrong. When it's in the body, we see it through inflammation like heartburn, acid reflux, um, you know, rashes, hives, anything that has heat behind it. And so those that are more pizza dominant, they are very driven and passionate. They are very precise with their words. Um, they are clear, they're to the point. They tend to be more competitive. And there's nothing, obviously, there's nothing wrong, wrong with that. Just like any of the doshas is getting that ego in check. So that competitive nature with that to some people can seem like, oh, they're very, you know, they just want to compete. We need those type of people in our lives or in our world to run things and to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And it really helps when you have, cause a lot of Vatas are like an entrepreneur or startup and what happens if they don't have a pitta in their life is disaster from what I have seen. Because <laughs> I right. have worked with many vatas where I'm like, and again, my pitta, I'm like, okay, nope, focus, refocus, let's go. Here's the to-do <laughs> list. Like I'm getting them back on board. And it's just so funny when, um, you know, you can kind of see that. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Like they were very imbalanced. And I, at the time I didn't know Ayurveda, so I didn't know how to help, but it makes sense why we worked. Whereas that that imbalance really clashed with some of the other doshas like in the office, like did not get along well with the boss. And so I'm like, oh, it makes sense because you really had to have like that pitta who can wrangle you in. And if you didn't understand, it was disaster. So this is just a fun thing that you can kind of start to do with people in your lives. So yeah. let's like tackle that kapha dosha now. All right. Kapha is earth and water. And I always like to think of those elements when they mix together. It makes mud. So kaphas tend to be heavier in nature. Um, they hold this sticky quality. So when in balance, they might experience more congestion. They can experience constipation where things are just stuck, not flowing in, in and out of the body properly. In the mind, um, they can feel dull. They can feel attached to people, places, and things. Um, those that are kapha dominant tend to be more loving and nurturing. They're the caretakers of the doshas. Um, they tend to be more fertile than the other doshas. Fun fact, I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Um, Makes sense though. 
Right, because that the sticky, gooey yep. <laughs> quality. Um, and they're also, they're very precise with their words. And it's funny because my dad is so vata and my husband is very katha and he takes his time. When someone talks to him, he actually, not like the majority of the world that just like blurts something out. He thinks about what he's going to say and he says it. And it's so funny watching him and my dad talk because I think my dad is going to explode waiting <laughs> for his response because he's like, just say something. Um, yes. Kafas kafas keep us grounded. They keep us present. Totally. Yes. I know I have my, me and my brothers, I have three younger brothers and we're all like me and my oldest brother are both Pitta and then it's a Vata and a Kafa. And my dad is super vata. My mom is kapha. And so we just got an assortment. And it's so funny because I can see that with my little brother who is very kapha. And my dad, again, the vata. Like my dad is out in like 6 a.m. He's already out there doing gosh knows what on the farm. And then meanwhile, my brother, the kapha, wakes up at 10, 10.30, pokes around, maybe has some coffee, just takes his time. Maybe he's out of the house by noon. It's so funny just the way that you can see they operate so differently. Right. And there's nothing wrong with it because no. it's your nature. Survives, it's who you are. Right? And you got to, you have to embrace that to get the, yes. you know, the most out of whatever you're trying to do. If you, like I, I've gotten adrenal fatigue and other issues because I've forced that pitta so hard, you know, to be present for my business and to do everything precise and exact. And it was too much. I got burnout, literally too much fire. That's, that's kind of the next thing I want to talk about is so if someone's listening, they're like, okay, so how do I know if I have too much of one of those? So let's start with Vata. So if you have too much Vata, how do you get yourself back in balance? And again, if you're listening, you can be out of balance, no matter what dosha you are, you can go out of balance in any of them. So just because you're not a Vata doesn't mean your Vata dosha can't get out of balance. Um, okay. So Ayurveda believes like increases like. So like I was just saying, if you have fire and you put more fire on top of that, you're going to be imbalanced. For the vata dosha, vata is air and space. When we have too much of that, like I said, if we're feeling too flighty, light and airy, spacey in the mind, we want to bring in more of those heavy and grounding qualities. So that might mean doing more of a passive yoga practice or a slower yoga practice, finding some way to connect to the earth, eating grounding foods such as beets and carrots, eating grains, cooking your food in oil, right? Everything that's going to bring you to the earth and help you find just, yeah, that grounding energy, that focused energy. And then what about pitta? So if someone's like, ooh, I feel like I'm really burnt out and just inflamed, how do we balance that out? Right. We want to bring in more of that grounding energy again, but also cooling energy to balance fire, right? We need to bring in more of less heat, more cool. That might mean for your yoga practice, doing more of a restorative yoga practice. Instead of going for a run, it could mean going for a walk, right? If you feel like you still need to move your body in that way, just allowing yourself to slow down, let go of control. 
and for pitta again that's very hard i know <laughs> but finding maybe activities that are more passive in nature and then shifting to a more cooling diet so eating things like cucumbers and juices and cilantro um, i can't think of any other cooling foods for some reason but you get <laughs> you get the point yeah and i mean like i always am like salads are great unless you are constipated and okay, so also, because I had this question actually, so I'm going to just briefly touch because this is making me think of it. So just because you are, so for me, I'm a pizza, like, but I, my nature has always been leaning towards constipation. That is not a pitta quality at all. Like that pittas usually have really strong digestive systems and um, I just don't. So that is where people sometimes get confused and they're like, oh, I must not be pitta then. And I also run cold which is also not a pitta quality. So like I have things that are like, nope, those are definitely, I'm more on the vata on some of these, but that's where I think it's important to know that you're not going to have all of the things that we've talked about today under each of these doshas, but you're going to have some under each. And then whichever one has the majority is usually how you find your primary dosha. So like if someone's thinking, oh, I have that, not that. Well, then now what am I? That's kind of the the go-to when you're looking at those. Plus there's tons of quizzes online that you can take and kind of get a feel for that as well. So just wanted to quickly touch on that. But now let's chat about kapha and balancing kapha back in. All right, kapha, earth and water. Again, kapha's got those heavy, sticky, cool, um, stable qualities. So we want to bring in more lightness. We want to bring in more heat. And so that can be done through more of a vinyasa style practice that can be done through running or any type of activity that's a little more vigorous. And for kapha, kaphas have a hard time. They can't get going on their own. They need, that's what I said, they need a little kick in their pants. But the thing is, they are super strong and have lots of endurance. So once you get them going, it's like rolling a boulder downhill. Once they get going, they're going to keep going and they're the ones that are going to, they're going to win the race because they have the strength and endurance. As for food, they want to eat lighter foods, but still warm. So cooking their foods, their vegetables, like lighter vegetables would be broccoli and cabbage, lighter fruits like apples and pears. That's going to be great for kapha. And just, they can cook their food, but they have to be weary of the oil just because that can create a more grounding and heavy sensation. Um, but the warm... Warmth of the food is going to be important because their digestion is also slow and sluggish. So they want that food partially cooked already so their digest digestive system doesn't have to work as hard. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a great like just overview and just reminder because I think the more that we hear these things, the more that we can start to you know learn and pick up something new because every time you hear some information, usually you pick up something new. Um, so with that... So if someone's kind of listening, they're like, okay, I want to bring some Ayurveda into like a regular yoga class or a regular yoga practice. And they're not, you know, in the Seattle area and they can't take your class. Um, you know, what tips do you have? Do you, do you tell people like, here's how you should figure out what class to go to um, or anything during class that they could do to kind of help bring that in? Yeah. Um, so we went over all the classes and I compared Pitta, Pitta balancing should be more restorative or yin. Vata should be more hatha. So warming and grounding. 
And then kapha should be more of a vinyasa style practice. So you can just use that as a little template to find what you need. But I think the most important thing is, and you've probably heard this 1 million times before, is listen to your body. So now just from this podcast, you have all of those tools to be aware of what each dosha looks like imbalanced in your body. So now honor that. So when you go to a yoga class, even if you could only make a vinyasa class, but you need more of that grounding energy, maybe instead of doing a chaturanga, that vinyasa flow, maybe you take child's pose or just hold in your downward dog. And no matter where the rest of the class is moving, any teacher should you know, allow you to do your practice as needed, unless you're like doing handstands and falling on people, right? <laughs> when it becomes an issue. But otherwise, most teachers will respect that you're honoring your body and doing what you need to do. Yes. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, if there's any other teachers listening, that's where it's a great thing, even just to give that cue. Cause I usually say, I'm like, all right, you know, you can feel free to flow through here. Otherwise, if you just want to sit in a child's pose, because I think sometimes well, in Minnesota, sometimes we're, you know, we're like, okay, we got to do what the teacher says. And if it's not, if I don't say it, I'll notice everyone will do whatever I say. But if I invite people to like go into a child's pose, if they, you know, are feeling called to, I'll notice like 80% will. So I'm like, okay, I just got to make sure I'm cueing this. Cause again, depending on where you're at, like you kind of notice, you know, know your audience and know where, where you're at in the country. And I think it's going to be a different feel, you know, cause that's, that's just, what we have to notice, I think, as teachers is just being mindful of the room. Um, but that's just another, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> I know, right? Before I go off well, on a Vata tangent on another those, those Midwesterners, I'm one, still yes. one of them. There's certain things like that that's ingrained in me. Yes. And it's, it's funny even looking actually at the teachers I have. I happen to have three teachers from Wisconsin that moved out here. That's and how they respond to emails and you know, their willingness to help out all the time is definitely different from West Coast people. It's that Midwest work ethic. Yeah. Well, I've been told that too, like just different areas. And so, yeah, I can see that. I can totally see that. Um, so kind of last few questions. Um, I actually do want to know about your um, holistic membership site. So you have a place that people can practice with you online? Yes. Um, Yes, I'm really, I love this membership site. It makes me so excited. So I started it because we are actually located right by the Space Needle. So we have a lot of travelers. We have a lot of people that come and they're like, oh, I wish you were here with me or I could take you guys home. And now they can. So awesome. it's a membership site that's more than just yoga. It is yoga classes and all the yoga classes are designed or divided by doshas. We also have guided meditation classes, which are also organized by the doshas. There is an herbal formulation section where that's organized by issue. So like one section I know is brain health, immunity, reproductive health. So you can look for what you need help with, and then you can read more about Ayurvedic supplements and Ayurvedic formulations to help your body. And then we have um, an Ayurvedic or educational talk section where there'll be talks with me and other wellness experts on different parts of Ayurveda or um, you know, mindfulness and yoga. And then lastly, we have a do-it-yourself guide section where there are journal prompts. One of my favorite things in there is a two-week guide to Ayurveda. So this is where 
or this is a really great tool to help those people that want to start incorporating Ayurveda into their life one day at a time. So, you know, helping them start to recognize and pinpoint these things that they're seeing in their body, that they're seeing in their daily habits, um, that they're seeing in the food they eat. So it doesn't have to be so overwhelming and seem like, okay, now I got to drink warm water with lemon and oil pull and tongue scrape and then I have to do my yoga and my meditation. It's right. If we're stressing our body out, um, we're doing, we're defeating the purpose of Ayurveda or taking care of ourselves. So this guide is a way for people to incorporate Ayurveda and health into their life without that overwhelm. Oh, I love it. Yes. And I think that's, that's so helpful. I just was talking with a client and she was, we were working on early later dinners and she's like, okay, I think I finally can officially say it's a habit and now what's next? And that's literally what, and this took her like six weeks. And so these are things where if you're like really wanting to overhaul some lifestyle changes, it takes some time. And so you just kind of take one habit at a time, build it into your life before you know, don't add 20 new habits, you know, like, oh, I got to balance my vata. Let's do all the things like that's not going to be helpful at all. So yeah. that's where the one at a time. And I love that, you know, just kind of going it day by day and you'll find stuff. You'll, I always tell people, you'll know what you need to do first. Cause you're going to be gravitated towards it. You're going to be like, Ooh, that sounds really good. Like maybe you said tongue scraping and they're like, Ooh, I'm intrigued. And that could be your first habit. Yes. So where can people connect with you, Angela? Well, you can check out more about the membership site at um, Eka Yoga and Ayurveda.com. And then you can check me out at Ayurvedic Angela on Instagram. Or if you want to check out more about the studio, um, you can head to Eka underscore. Sorry. I have to. It's so funny. I always have to check. Do you have to do that? Like, I always like spelled my my old when I first started was sapphire training and I'm always like sapphire s-a and then the word fire so yeah it's always like those things I always forget where the underscores are but it's eka e-k-a underscore yoga underscore ayurveda and I have lots of wellness tips each and every day on the Instagram account so Perfect. All right. Well, I have one final question for you. And um, I always like to ask when I have guests on to throw out a little weekly challenge to all the listeners. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Ooh, I think it's going to be that 17 seconds of something that makes you happy. So finding that thought, a thought that makes you happy and hold it for 17 seconds. If you can do that once a day and see where that gets you. Oh, I love it. I'm going to totally do that one myself. I have not done that. So that's, I like that. That's an easy one to incorporate into the day. So thank you for that. Um, thank you so much, Angela, for um, getting to chat Ayurveda and geek out with me about it. And I loved all your knowledge. And if I'm ever in Seattle, I'm definitely coming to your studio. So I will keep you posted. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the Peaceful Power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.